Good evening, one and all. Welcome along. It is a Tuesday night. It's the it's it's the usual two twosome. It's myself and Mike. How are things, Mike? Yeah, the gruesome twosome, isn't it? Huh? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. I I say it every oh. week. This is. Oh, you're not hearing nope. me. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I got, you, I got you. Just for a moment, it just sat for a second. I was like, "Oh, here we go again." Yeah. It's probably that Irish internet connection, and, uh, and me over here. Don't worry, mate. it's all going on. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I say it every week, Mike. But this is our Christmas. This is our lead in to Christmas. Oh. So it is. You know, it's it's November, December time for us. You know, and 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 we're trying to uh, trying to work out what what presents are going to be under the tree. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. What what gifts are we gonna get? Yeah. What shiny new gifts? Yeah, we've um we've covered offensive tackle. We've covered off ball linebackers for the first two weeks. We're gonna talk running back tonight. Um, before before we get into running back, obviously there's been a few headlines over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean Mike Mike Zimmer has started padding out and filling up his coaching staff. Yeah. Um. In terms of who he, who he was bringing in, like obviously he had to replace in Dirty, who's going to be defensive coordinator for the the Seahawks. Correct. Um. I'm trying to think of who else is gone. I know there's at least two other guys gone. Uh. So they kept Al Harris. And, yeah. And um. Joe oh, Junior is gone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. And they kept the Titans coach. Um. Oh my God! How have I forgotten his name? <laughs> It'll come to me now, and yeah. it's a really simple name as well. Um, yeah. So they managed to keep those pissed. So that's quite important. But they have, as you said, they brought in two guys. One of them, I'm quite happy with. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think would be quite interesting. But carry on. Sorry. Yeah. No, I mean that. That, that that's what I was going to ask. Was what was your, what were your opinions on those hires? I mean, the, we've brought in the the D line coach from the Commanders. Mm. I mean. If he doesn't, if he couldn't have a good reputation after five five in a row first round draft picks on the defensive line, you know, I mean, what 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 more could he do? Yeah, I like I what I like is I like obviously Greg. I mean, I was always a big fan of Greg Ellis, yeah. um, and I like the fact that they've got him in. I like this um, somebody who knows. The franchise has a history. Mm. He was successful, you know. Yeah. I I know. Obviously, he never won the big one. Um, yeah, but he was still really productive. And yeah, you know, people will always make complaints about who the Cowboys could have had instead of Greg Ellis. Yeah, a that's hindsight, and B, you can complain as much as you want. Greg Ellis still had a really great career. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's my it's my constant thing of everyone goes on about we could have had TJ Watt, but we picked Taco Charlton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, TJ Watt didn't suit our system, and that's why they didn't draft him. You know, yeah. and we didn't know yeah. TJ Watt was going to be what he turned out to be. I did actually want it to be TJ when it was there. I was like, oh my god, he's fallen. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, for many different reasons, but like you say. Is one of the, the the things could be is TJ Watt wildly productive um, mm. over in Pittsburgh, but you just like you say you wonder on for the Cowboys, and I'm not saying that the Cowboys are a worse team, just in terms of schematics, how yeah. different TJ Watt's career would have been with the Cowboys. Yeah. It would have been very different. 
Yeah, because I mean he's he's a stand-up linebacker. You know, yeah. he's he, he's used to rushing off the edge. That's what he played in Wisconsin. It's how he's played with the Steelers. And you know, you can't you can't make up for that when when your system is a four three with Rob Marinelli and Dan Quinn both ran. Yeah, you know, with, with the way that they, they rotate, you know, the Marinelli is a lot of rotation on that defensive line. So yeah. you think how that would affect TJ Watt. You know, it's a, it's a lot of churning on there, a yeah. lot. Yeah, absolutely. Then the next, I suppose, the next next <laughs> big thing that happened, obviously, was Mike Parsons appearing with Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> and I, I'm of one opinion. I think you're kind of slightly different, you know, but, but you know, what are your thoughts on the amount of, talking Micah has done in this off season. It's, it's, like you know there's there's two parts to this. So first yeah. of all, he is one of the biggest players in the league. Yeah. He plays for the Dallas Cowboys. So yeah. for Stephen Smith, that ticks two boxes straight away. The yeah. second part is that it's the off season and there isn't much else for these guys to do at this stage other than talk. Uh, yeah. You know, they're just human beings who are just going out there to talk. What the issue is with it, the other side of it, the other part, mm. these guys, they go on these shows and, you know, whichever network they're on, it's it, it's this constant battle. So Michael yeah. Parsons goes on, speaks to Stephen A. Smith. He asks the questions and Michael Parsons answers. The trouble mm-hmm. that you get with that is an oppositional network will take those answers that he gives and turn those answers into questions. And that's mm-hmm. just how it works. That's just, that, that, that's competitors getting their own back on these things. And that's the trouble that you get into. And then it becomes this spiral and, and a problem yeah. um, that, you know, they can pick things apart then. And it's, it does, yeah. it spirals out of control. Yeah. I mean, if if we look at the content of what he actually said in terms of, you know, I spoke with Jerry at the Super Bowl. I said to him, look what the top the, these four teams have, what that we don't have. You know, they've they've big linebackers. They have a big run stuffing defensive tackle in there. And, you know, he didn't he didn't down talk also Dickie Zoo, who's who is not your run stuffer. He's your three tech. He's your rushing oh, yeah, yeah. defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if if you look at just the words, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, it's a, I had this question a couple of weeks ago after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and they said it was one of the mailbag questions, and it was, and copy a cat league, what do we copy from the Chiefs? Yeah. And that's really what Michael Parsons is doing, is he's saying, look, this is a copycat league. Look mm. at what these guys all have in common and you know you you can take from that but at the same time you know the other side of the argument to what Michael Parsons is saying is you also want to be zigging when everybody else is zagging with your your roster because that's that's what gives you a a competitive edge yeah I mean I, I, I think you mentioned look Nick Bolton, Willie Gay guy we talked about a lot last year Leo Chanel that's yeah. kind of your linebacking core for um, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They're all second, third round talents that were yep. taken. And we've tried in the past, bar, you know, obviously, look, we've drafted Leighton Van Der Esch, We've drafted Micah. 
And then we've tried to sort of fix it with third and fourth round guys. Yeah. Like Jabril and, Cox, for instance. Yeah. Timon Clark, another example. Jabril Cox, Timon Clark, yeah. And I mean, there's there, there's other guys I'm sure we're forgetting some as well. Tomorrow we know Yeah, Devin Harper. There's Devin Harper. Yeah. You know, and like, I suppose the, what I'm kind of saying in terms of taking second and third round talent Sometimes, as we discussed last week, the sweet spot for those linebackers is in and around that second and third round. Yeah. And that's what you would want to see the Cowboys do. You know, I mean, two, what was it, two years ago Nick Bolton went? Or was it three? Oh, God, now you're I think, asking. Nick Bolton. I think, it was, I think it was three years ago. Then Willie Gay was two years ago and Chanel was last year. Yes, that makes sense. You know, and and they've they've kept stocking and restocking that linebacker core in Kansas City, and I think that's something we we need to look at. I mean, I, I said it to you last week. Look, if Edger and Cooper is available in the second round and he's the pick, I'm going to be very happy with that. <laughs> you know, and I don't say that lightly about any Aggie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I I do agree. And like yeah. the, the, the issue you've got with linebacker is the volatility of the position. Yeah. And that's the same thing with running back. They're the opposite side of really that the you know, they're the running the linebackers are the running backs. So they're yeah. they're in such a, a position that uh, they're prudent to injury. Like you, you can understand why high draft picks make very little sense for these guys. And and yeah. running backs all make the same uh, complaint that they're marginalised and all the rest of it, and they they're downplayed. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're not important to the team. It's because of their chance, their risk of injury. And linebacker yeah. has to be looked at at the same way. And it's been going down that road for the last few years. And um, I think, you know, you're never going to see what the Cowboys did with Leighton Van Der Esch and take a first round linebacker. That's gone. Expect the same thing with Zeke and the running back position. They're just not going to do it anymore. They they just know. And, and giant, the New York giants are finding this out as well. Now with Saquon Barkley. Yeah. For sure. And then I suppose, like, obviously we look at defensive tackle in a little bit more depth in a couple of weeks' time. But, I mean, again, that £350 monster of an anchor that we need in the middle, I mean, I'm on record to say, and I'd love to have Vita Vea on this defense, you know, but it's it's someone like that who's just literally going to soak up and absorb those blocks in the middle. Yeah, definitely. Is, um, is there on, anyone in this class that we can we we could look out for? For linebacker? No, for defensive tackle. Oh, defense! Yeah, there's tons. The yeah. interior defensive lineman. Yeah. Is, I mean, we'll get to that. Well, we could do it next week if you want. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's a there's a good mix of different types of guys, mm. um, a whole range. So like. There's some you could take in the first round for definite. Yeah. Um, if you really wanted to. 
there's there's a couple there that would absolutely fit, but they probably will go before the Cowboys pick. I I still seriously think the Cowboys' first pick, their first round mm. pick, is going to be BPA, whether we like it or not. Yeah, yeah. My, my, I mean, minus quarterback, minus quarterback, <laughs> take yeah. quarterback off, but it's going to be BPA, and I yeah. because we we just I just look at how they've drafted these last few years now with Mill McLean there, and they've just gone whoever is their best player on the board, regard, and they've just gone, this is the number one, this is who we're taking. Yeah. And then they use the rest of the draft to lock it up. Like, the draft sequencing can usually be a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not off. It just kind of, it, it, it's sinusoidal. It kind of moves mm. in and out a little bit. Um yeah. And you try and piece together what they've done, but usually what they're piecing together is because they've gone BPA in the first round, which isn't a bad tactic. Yeah. I, I'm, I, yeah. I, I get it. I understand that. Yeah, and I mean, as we say, look, you build strength on strength, you know, and that's why you took a CD Lamb um, in 2020 when you know you had Michael Gallup. I think who was coming off his thousand yard season. You had Mary yeah. Cooper who was definitely coming off a thousand yards. And, and, you know, you Dalton Schultz there, who was really developing at, at speed at that time. And that's what that's what you take. You know, if that's if if the guy is there and you have someone who's already playing there, just take another one, you know. Mm. But I suppose that the, the news that broke last night, and I suppose it kind of took us all by a little bit of, bit of shock this morning. Jimmy Johnson is back on the Dallas Cowboys advisory board. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you wonder how, what, like how much he's going to be involved. Mm -hmm. Um, I think more than anything, it's going to be more Jimmy Johnson kind of like, rather, I I don't know, he he will probably have conversations with players, but I think it's going to be more of the line of, "Mm, Jerry, don't, do that, yeah. Don't don't say that. Let's not go down that road. Yeah, it's going to be more of that sort of angle. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to being hands on with the roster itself. Yeah. In terms of drafting, I think he's going to be more of a look at A B. You know, like I would mm. do this as a, a priority. I would yeah. not worry about this as much. It's going to be more more of that as opposed to sitting there and going cut this player, add this player, go draft this player, go sign this player, rather than opposed to that. Yeah. And, I mean, look, football has moved on from the rah-rah type era of Jimmy, you know, when it was like he'd scream you'd scream in a player's face or you'd turn around and tell a player, go, go have some asthma on the asthma field over there. You know, that's not modern football. And that's that, that's not going to help. So it's as you say, it's that background advice, and you know, it's 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 when cooler heads need to prevail, and you know, there needs to be a little bit of analytical thinking, which you know, I think Jimmy has always been very good at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, he's he, and you you can see that there's been and it happened not even you know because people are talking about the ring of honor and all the rest of it yeah but it was it was things that happened before that that you know there was a couple of years before that where you were seeing jerry jones and jimmy johnson conversing and having 
show having making you know i know this is an odd thing to say but showing public signs of affection um mm. you know and you and even then i was thinking hmm, there's something going on here it's on the way mm. uh, and you yeah. could feel it you know and there's like little comments being made and you know, they'd be at events together or, you know, drafts and things like that. And all of a sudden, yeah. you know, they're both standing and talking together. Yeah. So this, I think, is just the next move in the positive push of their relationship. Yeah, absolutely. If that made sense. <laughs> it does. And look, it's something we've all said for a long time. It's long overdue. You know, I mean... Yes, they buried the hatchet a couple of years ago. It took still took slightly longer for Jerry to actually break down and go, right, Jimmy's going in the Ring of Honor. He never said Jimmy wasn't going to. Yeah, It was just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And, you know, you don't want to posthumously put someone into the Ring of Honor. You just want to get it done, get it out of the way. Yeah, I agree. But look, as we say, we're here to talk about prospects in this year's draft we've already kind of flagged that we're going to talk about running backs yes i mean before we get deep into the running back class this year i mean you kind of mentioned it there in the last 10 minutes running back has been devalued um quite significantly oh yes you know, you're not going to see a Zeke Elliott in this year's draft. You're not going to see a Saquon Barkley, a Bijan Robinson, There's none a of Josh that, none. Jacobs, a J- Jamar Gibbs. You know, you're you're not going to have someone taken in this year's first round at all. Mm. No, um, he, I right. I will always say, and I've said this before, <laughs> never say never. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but most definitely, I would agree that. Like um, in from what I've been doing so far, and I've done literally um twenty. I've got twenty six running backs on my board. Yeah. I haven't ranked them all. I've got in my mind, but yeah. I, I've literally I have no first round, and I have a fringe second round. But that doesn't yeah. mean to say there won't be running backs that will go in the second round. Because what will happen is they will get to a certain point in the second round. And a player will take a running back. Mm. And this is what could happen in the first round. I don't see it, really. But this is what could happen. And it happens with wide receivers in the first round, usually. And one team will take one. And then that suddenly spurs another one, another team that is running back hungry, that that, that is is in need Mm. of a running back. And because one has gone, the next team in that line that once one goes, right, we don't want to miss this guy. Let's do it now. And they'll pull the trigger early. And then that starts a snowball effect then of running backs, which could happen in the second round. Usually in the first round, we see it every year. It's wide receiver. Somebody takes a wide receiver. Then somebody takes another one. And then before you know it, you see like a whole, like a half dozen uh, wide receivers fly off the board in in quick succession. That I think is what's going to happen with running back this year in the second round. Um, yeah, I know me and you were talking about it. What I can see happening is it'll get to the Chargers, and obviously, they got their shiny new um mm-hmm. coach from Michigan, and it'll yeah. get to the second round, and Blake Corum will be there. And I could just see, I can just see it happening. I could just see the Chargers going, All right, let's draft him, and it'll be that, that second round pick, yeah. and they'll just take and then. That will be the snowball effect in the second round. 
Yeah. And I mean, I sorry, I was just pulling up my notes there in terms mm. of what you were saying. And I mean, that for me, this, this is ring bells of the tight end position last year. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. A lot of teams reckoned the Cowboys were going to take a tight end at the end, back end of the first round, and the Bills jumped ahead of us to get yes. Dalton yeah. Kincaid. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, we were on Sam Laporta from a yeah. long time out before that, and obviously, look, he went to Detroit. Yeah, um, and beasted too. Yeah. You know, and I think there was... I. There was multiple other tight ends taken before we took Luke Schoonmaker. You know, so as you say, it can just be one and two teams take 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 flyer, and then all the running backs start going. Yeah, it happens. In you know, each first round is definitely that what we we're saying is going to happen. Second round, it's going to be the running backs. If it does, if not, yeah. And the third round, I mean, yeah, it's just going to go for it's going to be running back heavy in the third round if it doesn't. Yeah, but. That that's where the sweet spot for me is. It's late second, uh, early third round for the sweet spot for the running back position. Yeah, and I mean, again, just before we jump into the specific players, this year's class is also it's a smorgasbord of running backs. You want a bruiser? Ooh. You can get a bruiser. Yeah. You want yeah. a two hundred and fifty pound guy? You can get one. You want a guy who can come out of the backfield? There's some of those guys available. You want someone going straight between the tackles? You've got them all. You know, and I think I think kind of the six guys we've picked for tonight does represent, you know, that all those different kinds of running backs that will be available in this class. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, there's even some sneaky guys in there that will, in day three, help fill fill a role in the running back position, as yeah. you say, in in a range of different styles as well. Mm. Um, you tend to find. Or what I've looked at that it, it, it's that the the middle of day three, they're talented guys. The issue with them is they're all undersized. Yeah, um, you it's know they're long. like, yeah, like they're maybe not that size, but they're not far off. You know, like yeah. like your Frank Gore. People keep saying about Frank Gore had a fantastic shrine bowl, but the dude is like a hundred and ninety pound, five foot seven. Mm. You know, yeah. and that, that is, people keep saying, oh, yeah, you could get him in uh, the fourth round. And I'm like, hey, okay, I would say he was more of a sixth round guy. And the yeah. Shrine has showed you he's a fifth round guy. So that goes yeah. back to what I'm saying. That middle, the middle of day three is a place to yeah. get these talented running backs. They're just undersized. And unfortunately, there's nothing, you can't train size into people. Yeah. That's true. But I suppose, look, you've already flagged the first guy we're going to talk about. And, I mean, Blake Horn, Hmm. Michigan, running back. He's coming from a program, obviously he's coming from a national championship. Um, He's most likely going to end up with his former head coach in Ann Ann Arbor. Um, You know, like, as you always say, look, there's there's red flags and guys oh, yeah. who've had significant injuries mm. will always drop around at least, you know, but in this case, we both would agree. It's more than likely Jim Harbaugh will pick him if he's available in second round. 
Yeah, I mean, like, look, don't Blake Corum, so, so straight out the gate, you know, um, Big Ten first team, two years mm. in a row. Hold on, let me check. Two years in a row, yeah. Two years in a row. Um, All American as well. Guy is uber talented, right? Uh, now, we were just talking about undersize. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, yeah. So, first problem is size. Um, so, he's 213 pounds and he's like five foot nine. Uh, five foot eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes him very undersized. Yeah, with the, the the type of style of running that he has, which we'll get to. Uh, mm-hmm. His biggest problem is with that, with his size, is injury concerns, and he has injury concerns already. In twenty twenty two, missed the season, nasty knee injury, ACL, and the guy, the guy's out for the year. Uh, you know, and that. Kind of spilled a little bit into last season, not too much though. Mm-hmm. But he's incredibly athletic. The dude yeah. is—he's a speed demon. Um, yes. I'm just trying to go through my speed scores on some guys because I haven't actually checked. He may be one of the fastest running backs in this year's class. Yes. Um, yeah. Trey Benson is right there. He's right behind him, so he could be the one. But He's he's fast and he's agile. He's got good burst acceleration. Yeah, and, and close. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, people talk about Saquon Barkley. I know we talked about talked about Saquon Barkley. Earlier. <laughs> Saquon, but take Saquon Barkley, where he's this guy who will go backwards, go backwards, go backwards. He's not one like Zeke who will get dirty yards. But yeah. then all of a sudden, it's like they decide to go for it on third and three on a running play. Yeah. And pow, you know, Blake Corum is gone and it's a touchdown. Very much like how Saquon Barkley was. Like, you know, like that. Um, just at any moment, a scoring play is, is just brewing there. And that, that, yeah. that's exactly what he is. He, he will he will go. He's um, he, he's. So he's easy to bring down in one way, but in another way, he he gets squatty. Yeah, um, which which when he's close to the line of scrimmage, makes him hard to bring down. What what it tends to be is more he's easy to bring down once he's more upright and he's running, mm. um, yeah, because of his size. Yeah, and one one thing that kind of stuck out to me on tape this year. In terms of Blake Corum, he's a, he's a guy who doesn't mind getting in, being down and dirty, and doing a bit of pass protecting. He doesn't mind the physical mm. side of the game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Michigan didn't throw the ball that much this year because they didn't yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that teams are going to value that again. A guy who 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 has that side to his game. Yeah. Sorry, I pressed the button on my microphone. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like it's um, uh, how can I put this? Tony Pollard. This is a brilliant example. He's not yeah. the biggest guy. He's when you see him it block, you kind of like go ooh, and somehow he might you know Pollard yeah. makes it work. Um, it's not the greatest <laughs> when you see yeah. him. But that is Blake Corum. Um. As a blocker, but yeah. on the the flip side of that is he will as well. I know you saying they didn't pass that much and they didn't, but they also, you, you know, 
Blake Corum does offer receiving ability. How much yeah. though? It is a little. So he he made catches. He you know I think he's got forty receptions while he's playing mm-hmm. for Michigan. I might be wrong. I need to check. Yeah, so don't quote me. But um, he has made receptions for Michigan, so he can't do it. And yeah, there is there is a lot to like. I mean, the, the biggest issue with with Corum. It is. It, it's the size, and people say, "Don't worry about it." Well, sorry, you have to. When when you've got already a major injury under your belt, and yeah. it's mainly a durability factor because of your size, and because you don't want to pile too much weight on him. Because if you do, so he's fast. Yeah, he's not yeah. electrifying. He's, you know, we've had yeah. faster running backs um, come through the draft, and you know, we've been like, "Wow." Um, so when you watch Corum, he's fast. He's not electric. He's not like elite speed, but yeah. he is fast. Yeah. And you just think that if you want to put weight on to add some durability, what you're just taking now, you're slowing him down again. You're making him yeah. slow. And and one of the, the things that makes him um, good, what makes him the good running back that he is, is his speed, his agility, his acceleration, his change of direction. Um, And because, you know, when you play at a certain speed as well, your body gets used to – because his vision is okay. It's fine. Um, What am I giving him on vision? Yeah, it's pretty good, his vision. So he's getting used to the speed he's playing at. So now you want to add some bulk to him, and it can can mess with the timing of how Mm -hmm. you you – absorb the information coming on the field. And so it's not just an athletical standpoint that it has an issue with. It becomes the processing and how you're using that information to get up the field. And it'll have a whole effect on him. Um, yeah. I mean, like like I say, it's it, it, his pass protection, it, it won't kill you. It's not the greatest, I will say that. Yeah. But he does manage to get it done. Um, yeah. The other one, though, the big one for me, it's contact balance. So somebody asked me before, I think it was last year, and they were like, what's the number one thing you look for in a running back? And I'm like, well, in any position in the NFL, it's about efficiency because athleticism yeah. is good. It's great. Um, guys, as they do in the NFL, they will progress and come along, and all of a sudden you see him more from the this guy because they're in an NFL yeah. uh, gym, basically, with trainers, and they'll, they'll come along. So it's about efficiency. For me, running back efficiency is contact balance. If you can be, you don't need to be a complete speeding, but if you're hard to bring down, Mm. then that makes you more appealing in the NFL. Yeah. The issue with Blake Corum is he is quite easy to bring down. Contact balance for me, for him, is really bad. Um, So, like, um, yeah, he, he can... And timed with the contact balance, as you can see, he'll, he'll make moves to get around players. And then all of a sudden, he'll get to a certain point of the field, like, say, when he's he's getting into the second level and he's up to the linebackers, mm-hmm. and he, he, he isn't processing what he's supposed to do at this point. So yeah. what happens is the smarter linebackers, which we, we've seen plenty of, uh, yeah. in the Big Ten last year, are able to get 
they were able to understand. They were knowing that that was what was coming. So they kind of could stall him into the second level. It it was quite clever in a way um, on how they could do it. For me, see, when, when I look at Blake Corum, and this is why I worry about the Chargers. I think that's where he's going to go because it tallies up with the coaching. Yeah. My thing is that he needs to be, um, he will be an extremely good running back in the committee, like your RB2. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. in that role, like what the Lions did. So the Lions yeah. drafted a guy and they had a veteran who is a bit more of the bowling ball type. And look at what yeah. that did. They had that one-two punch, yeah. one one behind, one in front to do the heavy lifting. The one behind who had the speed. Um, just, now that Blake Corum fits him perfectly there. You yeah. do that, then that's fine. If you try to make him the 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 key running back, you're going to get mm. a Tony Pollard. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you've you kind of highlighted it there in terms of him being running back by committee. I mean, if I was looking at Michigan last year, the, the guy who excited me at running back was Donovan Edwards. Yeah, yeah. More so, yeah, more so than Blake Corum. Yeah. And I mean, that's someone who would be next year's draft class. But I mean, he picked up a lot of the slack, obviously, when Corum got injured in 22. Yeah. They kind of nearly 50-50 split the reps this season and obviously he'll have all of next season to, to take them up and that's someone you know look it's an early tip of the hat for the 2025 draft class oh yeah yeah uh, uh, you know how they, they and you look at how they use corp that is exactly how to get the best out of him Mm-hmm. That's how you've got you just go back and watch so when you watch the tape for Michigan on Blake Corn, don't just watch the player, watch the utilization and what they're yeah. doing in the rotation. Because that's how you need to play him. Because people will just watch the tape and watch yeah. the player. And you know, if you do if you use the program that we've got and it just has the plays um where that player is on the field, all you're just seeing is the play, but you're not seeing the plays before and the plays after so you're yeah. missing the rotation of what what's happening and that's key with Corum. yeah so moving on from Blake Corum, you've kind of mentioned the next guy that we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about and I think we kind of said maybe this guy is is your running back too it's Trey Benson from FSU mm. I mean a, a guy who's who who came on a ton in the last year Kind of oh, yeah. prototypical in terms of the size at 6'1", 215. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you're looking for in a line, or not a linebacker, a running back. Yeah. So um, when I gave you the list of running backs, Trey Benson, if you look, is number one. It's because he is my number one running back in yeah. this year's draft. Yeah. Um, mostly because there's, there's very few red flags. I know there's yeah. the transfer. People sometimes will flag yep. that up, uh, uh, you know, the commitment thing, beating competition. There's all these different narratives that come with transferring. Yeah. To me, I, I just see it as n- neither one or the other. It's not negative. It's not positive. It's just something yep. in today's college, transfer portal is just one of those things. It just happens. Years yep. ago, 
it was never really a thing. Now you just got to get used to it. You got to get used to the fact that signing day is never necessarily the team that you get on opening day. No. And so he he transfers. He goes to FSU. FSU had a lot of things going for them last year. Unfortunate, there was some injuries on the offense, particularly quarterback. Yeah, which messed them up. Otherwise, they they probably would have been in the playoffs. But yeah. Benson is for me the number one running back. But I think if I was to put him, like if you said where would you rank him, he's outside my top fifty. Yeah. Um. So that it puts him like a sign. That's what we were saying earlier about the running back position volatility and all the rest yeah. of it. But um, I've done a video on him. I just haven't released it yet, and it's mm-hmm. just a breakdown of, of his play in in piece by piece, if you like. Yeah. And you just see a guy who has insane vision, will get to the hole, knows how to get skinny and protect the ball. Yeah, uh, get around any loose defenders. Uh, will just break into the middle of the field where he mm. knows that if it's him versus the safeties, it's game over. And you see it yeah. time and time again. He, and you know the guy is making huge. He makes he just makes up ground so quick. Just strides yeah. out of there. Um, really insane agility. That will, you yeah. know, you watch him, he gets the hole. And, and I should say, I've done a video and he meets up to a defender and he's just able to get around him, push past yeah. him, and break into the middle of the field. And once he gets there, he's just doing the same thing. He's not just one of these one cut guys and he's yeah. lost. He doesn't know what to do next. He, he's, he, he is put in. He's stacking on the play. So yeah. he, he will move around one, then he'll move into the middle of the field, and he's cutting around. Mm. And he also knows very, very cleverly how yeah. to use his gears. So he will he will play at a certain speed. Then he can just drop a gear and just go. And then all of a sudden, yeah. he's back through his gears again, and he's moving up the field, and he's shaking off defenders. And he knows that once he's up against... Uh, once he's got past the linebackers and he's up against these secondaries, there's just no stopping him. Um, yeah. It's really, really good. The mm. issue... I was, f- go on. I, I was, I was going to say, my, my comp for him and a lot of the reports I've read and a lot of what I've seen of him, um, you'll see this everywhere, smooth operator. He, remo- he reminds me of smooth Eric Dickerson. <laughs> okay, I see where you're going. You know, yeah, yeah. As, the, the way as you as you kind of said, you know, he he'll get to the next level, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look like he's expending a lot of effort. But yeah. his vision, his IQ is right. I'm going to go this way, but I know I'm going that way. And you know, he he's has the flexible flexibility in his hips to throw that to throw that. I'm going left. No, I'm going right. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and yeah. it's just effortless with him. It's what yeah. I see. So, like, you know, and you say all this, and then people go like, well, why aren't you putting him in, in the second round or the first round? And mm-hmm. the very simple issue is, is A, one year of production, right? Yes. So he, he's only got one year, and in the ACC, it's a lot of it is predicated on the defensive line. Yeah. And FSU played a very particularly clever game 
of exposing weaknesses by having yeah. a quarterback that was mobile, yeah. uh, dual threat in all types of regards. So that yeah. put defensive lines off guard. So what that did is that meant that most of the time with FSU, Trey Benson's meeting the the the, the mesh point with offensive linemen hat on hat, where it's yeah. one-on-one. They're able to move guys, and he's got a little bit of, uh, of space to break through. And yeah. that that you give – and Benson's this type of guy where if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile yeah. on the, with, with holes. He, he just will. But in, in sort of – so what, what the issue is with that is the other part is that if he sees an inch, he'll want to take a mile as yeah. well. So what that ends up being is that um, he's hitting holes too early because he's so eager to get there. So he might hit, yeah. and he's just getting, they're just able to get on him quickly rather than letting the hole develop, yeah. letting blocks and letting guys get on contained a bit better uh, and getting linebackers to slightly move and shift mm-hmm. so he can make a better decision on which hole to hit, he's not. He's just going straight into it. And yeah. that and, and you, you look at it and you think, see, if you'd hit the the left A gap instead of the right, look, you're gone. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. But because you were so eager to get to the hole and get through it and use your speed and agility that you know that you've got to carry you past certain players, you've hit that one too. Where, and in the NFL everything just gets a little bit more constricted, a little bit more tired. And by hitting holes too early, the the things are happening quicker and tighter. So these, what happened, what will happen if he, he keeps continuing to play that way, is you'll have a lot of negative plays on your resume. Yeah. And I suppose the, the, the other issue and look, I hate, I hate bringing this up with every running back Pass protection is not good. You're not going to want to get this guy in on third downs in pass protect situations. Yeah, more of uh, so. I would say he's got the size and the power to be able to do it. Right? Yeah. He's got the because you, you mentioned the size as being prototypical, and it is six one. You know, the six mm-hmm. foot five eleven, six foot six one is borderline, so, but the the weight is ideal. So yeah. when you, when you say that you know you got an ideal weight there, the size that helps in pass protection. So yeah. you think okay, yeah. So he's got the size to be able to do it. What he he lacks is the technique, mm-hmm. and I think that's just through a lack of playing. It's a lack of experience. I think, yeah, personally, yeah. So you've we've talked about one guy who's who's been a one season wonder. So we'll move on to the next guy who's also a one season <laughs> wonder. And you know, you kind of said this to me when we discussed who we were going to talk about. Um, you know, like Jonathan Brooks mm. out of Texas, my own beloved Longhorns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you say, one season of production and you're totally right in what you say. And I mean, I can't even turn around and defend it and say Oh well, you know he was behind Bijan Robinson because he wasn't even projected to be the starter this year at Texas. Yeah, true. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you are behind Bijan, who was having just the time of his life yeah. um, at running back. So John is 
back there. So you've got the one year. And, and tied with that is that one year wonder. And, I, mm-hmm. I, I, and I've got another sort of thinking, another idea yeah. behind Jonathan Brooks, which ties in with Bijan. Bijan. Um, yeah. And his one year, his one year wonder or his one year of wonder is yeah. cut short. It, it's yeah. it's cut short with the injury, which is late in the season, which means yeah. that you're looking late into this season when you get this guy. Yeah. That to me, he was a second round guy again. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this before, red flags, depending on the severity drops you down. down however, his red flag is so big it has to drop you around it's a major yeah. injury that's yeah. a flag that, that's a round down for the cowboys that as talented as he does have talent right i'm, yeah. I'm not going to dispute what you do see on tape is good um it is really good but it lacks consistency tied in yeah. with the problem that for the cowboys you're not getting him till thanksgiving say for yeah. argument's sake yeah. That's not good to them, especially in the season where Jerry Jones has said they're all in. How yeah. that helps the Cowboys is really no good. Plus, you think, let's say for argument's sakes, they keep Tony Pollard. I think because mm-hmm. people keep saying get rid of Tony Pollard. And I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But if the numbers are right, why not keep him? Because we know that Tony Pollard as a running back too how productive he is. When he was tied with Zeke, Tony Pollard would come onto that field for the moment. He'd have maybe half a dozen snaps. Yeah. And with those half a dozen snaps, he'll also have a handful of receptions or extended handoffs, whichever you want to call it. Yeah. But he would be coming away with like a high average. So he'd have like six yards, five and a half yards per carry, Mm. you know, a, 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 bunch of first downs, maybe even a touchdown thrown in there. Yeah. You know, a, a, because Tony Pollard last season, what he was lacking wasn't production, because he was a top 10 running back in terms of yards and all the rest of it. Yeah. But what he was lacking was explosive plays, and that's what we're all used to with Tony Pollard. And the reason that you get the, those high amount of explosive plays from Tony Pollard is because he was playing as an RB2. So the, yeah. the the defense is already worn down. The linebackers are demoralized from being punched in the mouth. Now you've got to face Tony Pollard, who's going to bounce to the outside. He's going to go off tackle, and he's going to mm-hmm. dance around you, and he's just going to explode and go, right? Yeah. With Jonathan Brooks, you're not helping Tony Pollard if you do keep him. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, yeah, A, the injury. So you're going to have to spend another half of the season with Tony Pollard in there. But also when he comes back in uh, and you think what Jonathan Brooks offers, it's not really that far from what you've already got with Tony Pollard anyway. So you haven't really really, uh, improved at the position at all. Um, Because, I mean, like, Brooks, he's not exactly fast. No. He's got adequate speed for the position yeah. in the NFL, right? Yeah. His athleticism, it's not elite, it's not bad. Yeah. Um my my biggest problem with him, uh, um why I don't think he fits in Dallas is that it's mm-hmm. because he's 
he's more of a receive. He's better as a receiver than he is a runner out of the backfield. Yeah, and that just doesn't help Dallas whatsoever in what they need to accomplish at the position to help Tony Pollard. Yeah. You already have a receiving running back that you very seldom used as a receiver. So yeah. Jonathan Brooks just doesn't fit what you're trying to do here in any shape or form, in scheme, in personnel, in mm-hmm. um, like the, the injuries, so the red flags, none of it fits. Yeah. But I will say that he does have a lot of positives going for him. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. he, he, another smooth running back. His receiving part of his game is really good. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's quick, he's he's shifty, he's got very shifty feet. Mm-hmm. Um and he had a way of being able to break and get those chunk yards. He just does. Yeah. Everything yeah. with Jonathan Brooks, you just look at it all and you just go, There's nothing bad, basically. Yeah. In terms there are things that are bad. Um, but there's nothing that there's nothing like you go for, for an NFL team. Oh, this is really bad. This is going to hinder us. Everything that you just go, you go, it's um, it's either above average mm-hmm. or a little bit further up from that. There's nothing elite. And then yeah. you go, yeah, but you're not going to get them until November, December time. And you go, eh, and he just drops you off. Yeah. Like some people were like saying in the season, they're like, oh, this, this guy's going in the first round. And I was just like, and this is before the injury. I was just, I don't see it. I don't know how are you able to say that because this guy, he's he's not showing it consistently. He yeah. hasn't shown it over a longer period of time. Yeah. And the, the the part that I believe that he was falling trapped to is that everybody has seen what Bijan Robinson did for the Longhorns the previous years, and yeah. what they're doing is they're equating that. One and one equals two. So they're just like saying they're scouting the helmet essentially. Is they going? Yeah. This is a running back for the Longhorns. We have seen a run of success at the position with the team. Mm-hmm. We'll just apply. We'll just copy and paste what we've said about these previous players and apply that to Jonathan Brooks. And it just it, to me, and it's not me being biased. It's just me. No, no. Yeah, it's just me seeing it how, how I've seen it this year, watching games when he's played. And I'm just like, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good things, but there's nothing there that says to me first round. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that Jonathan Brooks does that will stand out to anyone who's watching tape. You're not going to look at him and go, oh my God, that is elite. That's, that's the guy to get. Yeah. That's that, that, that could translate to top five in the NFL. And that's, that's the issue with him. The other issue, as you say, and it's not that he can't do anything. He's, he is a good player, but he's not an elite player. The oh. other issue, as you say, is that injury. And That's one the, of the, other, the other knocks on him is his lateral movement is not good. It's not, again, I agree with you, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's not good, but it's not bad. Yeah. It's, and and when, when you talk about Jonathan Brooks, like everybody will say, and they'll go, Oh, yeah, but look at the speed. And you go, yeah, it's 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 not bad. You're just yeah. like, you're like, it's not good, though. It's not yeah. it's not elite. And that's just how you do it, everything with it. And you go, and you just like what you did there. And you go, well, look at the, the, you know, look at the lateral ability. And you go, yeah, 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 it's not bad. 
And then yeah. you just, but it's not elite. It's not yeah. you know, not what we what Longhorn fans are used to with the position. No, and you just you keep going over the same things with mm-hmm. Jonathan Brooks. And yeah. to me, I, I I still don't see what some of the scouts were saying mm-hmm. pre pre injury about Jonathan Brooks. I was just kind of yeah. like, I, I just I, I can't. I don't know where, yeah. where you're getting this. Where, where which part of this game are you deciphering that from? Mm-hmm. Like, give me a clip of what you're yeah. saying so I can equate the words to something visual. And you, you, you yeah. try and do it. You just you can't f- ever find it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you didn't know Longhorn football, you would you would go, oh, this is a good player. But yeah. then, as you say, Longhorn football has changed under Steve Sarkeesian. Oh yeah, it yeah. was, it was yeah. always a run the ball program. And will remain being a Texas football. <laughs> it's Texas football. It's how they like to play football. Yeah. But I mean, this is not, it's not Ricky Williams. It's not Deontay Foreman from a couple of years ago. It's not Bijan Robinson. Yeah. And as you say, you can't scout the guy because he has a longhorn on his helmet. And, and I think that's, that's what they why, That's why you have to look at it more coldly and go, right, okay. And as you kind of alluded to around Blake Corum, what are the plays like around him? And the Longhorns had a lot of running backs that they could oh, fit yes. into that rotation yeah. last year. You know, the three the three to four other running backs they could bring in. And they and did. Brooks wasn't on the field for every play, yeah. even when he was fully healthy. Put it this way, they, they lose Brooks towards the end of the season and the Longhorns running game continued. <laughs> Yeah, it just kept, it kept, it kept on going. They got to yeah. the playoffs. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That, yeah. uh, and they did that without him there. So you kind of like go, well, what what, what can I say about it? And and that's really where I leave it. And people keep talking about Jonathan Brooks, and I'm like, as long as Cowboys aren't talking about him, I couldn't care. <laughs> Carry on talking about him. Yeah, you, you you think he's a second round guy? All power to you. I can understand yeah. the reason why you would say it. But yeah. for me, as a Cowboys fan, and who I want the Cowboys to draft, uh, I like, okay, let's put it this way. You get to the third round, and yeah. Jonathan Brooks is still available. Let's say, for argument's sakes, they filled the offensive line and... Oh, so all linebacker. And they've got themselves a nice linebacker in the second round. And yeah. so now you're sitting there going, okay, they're, they're, they're ticking boxes here. And then you get to the third round, and Jonathan Brooks is available at the end of the third with the Cowboys pick. Now, they don't have a fourth, right? Yep. And you go, hmm, okay. And then they take that pick. So I'm kind of – I would be like – usually this is the second round where they do this, and they've dropped a round and they've done it. Mm. I, I can buy into this. Let's say they've got Tony Pollard on the roster. Yeah. My thinking behind that pick is that – that the it, I don't think it would, but let's say yeah. for argument's sakes, it, you know, uh, just to give some sort of idea if it did happen, the thought there would be is Brooks is not playing next season. He's going to no. be the guy to replace Tony Pollard next year. But they would still, if they did draft Jonathan, they would still need another running back yeah. on that roster, whether it's through the draft or free agency to fill 
other gaps. That would just yeah. be a move towards the next year. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't be excited about the pick. I would understand the idea. Yeah. And I would get what they're trying to do. Yeah. And I mean, th- this is the thing we always say in advance of the draft is you can be sure the Cowboys will have filled the hole at running back. They will have a starting caliber running back on the roster. Be that Tony Pollard returns Mm. or they bring in someone. They bring in a Derrick Henry because they know Valenti is shouting his head off going, (laughs) or a Saquon Barkley or someone like that. They will have a start, a number one running back on the roster. They'll probably have a number two running back on the roster as well. And this is where, as you say, if they then bring in a Jonathan Brooks, you're going, okay, I get the plan. I know yeah. what the plan is. And that that that's where they're going with it. But, I mean, moving moving on from Jonathan Brooks and the guy you caught me out with, on I was there, who the hell is Mike talking about? <laughs> I think it might be one of your favourite pet projects in this upcoming draft class. And that's Marquise King, or as he's affectionately known, Bucky Irving. Bucky Irving, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when we was talking about Blake Corum uh, yeah. and saying the efficiency that you look at is with running backs, contact balance. So Bucky has contact balance. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant. He's brilliant. Great vision understanding can break down the play and his contact balance I think is brilliant that yeah. to me makes him uh, uh, he has an advantage here than the other guys don't yeah again so you, you say okay well if if he's so efficient why don't you have him higher than the others the problem is is size sorry my phone is size again yeah. we're back here um he's got adequate speed he's got great speed um He's going to be that guy who's going to be more of the um, who's going to break to the outside. He's going to do a lot of off tackle runs, which he yeah. does anyway. But what he is again is a guy that needs to be in a committee, and mostly yeah. because of his size, because he can't be used as an every down back. The reason why his contact balance is so good is that. Um, he he just has this way of getting defenders to be on the wrong foot. He's just very, very quick-footed, yeah. able to make the cuts. And so what happens is it makes defenders tackle him off balance. So what that, yeah. that then means is his contact balance is better than the defender and he's able to get around them. Yeah. Um, but he's not going to be an every down back. So the guy, I think, hold on, where were we? So he's 5'10 and 190 pound. And that, that mm-hmm. is, that's not a bell count. That's not a three mm-hmm. down back. It's the, no. you get this same thing with all these running backs in this class this year. Yeah. So he's, he's not going to be a physical guy that is going to go through the A gaps and, and, and drive you. He's not a bowling ball. He's not a guy. Yeah. To go in between, he's going to be a guy that 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 will make plays on the outside, and he will make plays on the outside. You're going to hear his name. I I I telling you, you will hear uh, of a game at some point where he's gone for like two touchdowns. Uh, and when you go back and watch them, 
He's running to the outside. He he's cutting. He's bouncing. He's bouncing. He's going around, and he's just gone. And he's outside the numbers, and he's out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 other issue is that you have to take some of the protection with a pinch of salt because he plays yeah. for Oregon, and Oregon, like Tennessee Volunteers, not the Titans. Are yes. playing in the spread offense, so that means that you've got these defenders spread way, way out on a very wide college field, which yeah. means that when he's bouncing to the outside, anybody who's defending the wide receivers on the outside have taken the defenders off with him, and he's just got open field. Yeah, so you you kind of have to take a little bit of what he's done with a pinch of salt, but yeah, it does show you the ability it does show you how good he is and mm-hmm. as a receiver he's not too bad he's just more of a one-trick pony as a receiver yeah but you know I, i'll say this you know as a receiver a one-trick pony gave julian edelman an entire career yeah i mean the the, the knock for me with bucky is he's not a home run hitter no he's, he's definitely not he, that either he has, as you would say, he has adequate speed. It's not elite level speed. And he's not going to go through yeah. a hole and you're going, goodbye. He's gone to the house. He's not going to do that for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's got, he will have a game where it's like that, but he's not going to do it on a consistent basis. Yeah. That is yeah. for sure. Um, with him, it's just size. And you go, does he work for the Dallas Cowboys? And you go... You've already got this guy. You've got Bucky yeah. even on your roster if you keep Tony Pollard. What why are we yeah. going down this road? Yeah. It doesn't make any I mean, sense. I mean, I suppose I suppose kind of to answer the question, I mean, it it is a case of look, Bucky Irving, Jonathan Brooks, whoever it may be, is going to be a cheaper option. But you're also yes. taking a chance in that well, if you bring back Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard knows the offense. These yeah. guys are going to have to learn the offense, and that's that's the trade off. And as you as you alluded to earlier, Jerry has said we're all in on this season. It's, yeah, yeah, it's shit or get off the pot. But we've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, that and that's why, like these guys that we're talking about, not many of them really make sense in terms yeah. of, of what they do for Dallas, unless they're going to get a bruiser. The only one at, for me out of the guys we've just spoken about that makes sense is Trey Benson. Because he's the yeah. only one that will um, go through the A and B gap and find success. Um, yeah. But again, like if they took him in the second round, I mean, yeah, I'd ha- I'd have trouble selling yeah. it. I could buy it. Um, certainly, once you see him in Oxnard, he's gonna be that yeah. type of guy. In Oxnard, where you go, oof, and then yeah. you get to the season, and it's not quite what you saw in camp. Um, yeah. but, but like Bucky Irving makes complete sense, like you said. If they move on yeah. from Tony Pollard, right? So they move on from Tony yeah. Pollard. I mean, we don't literally have it running backs on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially if they don't sign the other guys either, you know, because yeah. literally every running back is walking out the door for the Cowboys this season. Um. And so you go, okay, 
So Tony Pollard's going to cost us, say, five million per to yeah. keep him. Well, why don't we draft Bucky Irvin with our fifth round pick? And you know, if he's available there, I doubt he would. He probably gone no. in the fourth. But if he was there, right now, they've got fifth. They've got compensatory picks. Mm, I so this is this kind of the the one thing I'm not sure about the 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 comps I've seen is that we're going to get two six. And I know yourself and Lauren have said there's a possibility one yeah, of them it, will be it, fifth. It, the, the issue is is because like. Yeah, the, the the whatever the equation the NFL mm. work off when it comes to compensatory picks is like kept behind lock and key. It's hard to really know, but yeah, you would think they get a fifth round pick. I don't know, but yeah. you know, say they do, and they, it becomes yeah. Bucky Irving to replace Tony Park totally works. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Look, we've we've kind of kept the last two under wraps because I think. One of these guys might be your favorite player in the draft. One of these guys <laughs> might be my favorite player in the draft. Yes, we've we, we've kind of talked about who's the prototypical, you know, running back, and it has to be Braylon Allen, six foot two, two thirty five. Yeah, comes from big, tough Wisconsin who loved mm. to run the ball. Yeah, and tw- from twelve man personnel as well. Yeah, <laughs> so it, you know that's kind of jumping into the Cowboys' wheelhouse straight away. So, yeah. like, yeah, Braylon Allen is more the guy that completely fits what you want for the Cowboys. The issue, <laughs> the issue with Braylon Allen is he's got the size. He runs the way that you want mm-hmm. as a thumper, as an early down back. The <laughs> The issue is, is that um, he's he is a big guy, um, which makes him easy to bring down at the hole because he's not yeah. going to get skinny. This guy just will not, and you're yeah. going to get nothing in terms of receiving. Um, he's a violent runner. He's a solid runner. He is going to drive over you. The yeah. issue is, is again, this is a guy that needs to be in a committee. And he needs to be in a committee where the team... So, like, we, we, we almost have what Braylon Allen is in terms of Hunter Lipke. Almost, yeah. almost. The issue, the, the difference being with Hunter Lipke is I actually think Lipke is not a bad receiver. I think he's, he's quite a decent... Yeah. He's probably a better receiver than he is a rusher. Yeah. Um, but they're not that far off in terms of running style. Yeah. Um, so he, he's he he will get the ball and he will go and he'll get down there. Mm-hmm. The issue is, as I would say, the other guys that we're talking about or we have yeah. talked about are all higher up in terms of their rushing ability than what Braylon Allen is. The issue with yeah. Braylon Allen is your he he's gonna you'll see a little bit of Zeke in terms of. He's always going to fall forward. You're going to see yeah. a little bit of Zeke in terms of, oh, he's wrapped up at the line. He gets up off the ground, and you're like, wait a minute, second, second and seven? How did that happen? You know, you'll yeah. get a little bit of that with Brady. And I think that if they keep Tony Pollard, Allen makes more sense in terms of what you would want to try and do. The problem yeah. with Allen is that he's just, he's, he is lacking a little bit in terms of 
rushing ability. Uh, um, yeah. That that's just a, just in general. There's a, a a lot of things that are are missing, and, and our, he's yeah. also had an arm injury, um, which is a bit of a knock too. Yeah. Like for 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 me, what I what I saw on the tape, what I've seen in Wisconsin games, you know the way we would talk about a receiver having a route tree, yeah, you know, in that they they know the full route tree mm-hmm. and they know the routes where they're going to go. If you tell them it's a nine route, they know where that nine route is. Yeah, Braylon Allen, when he kind of gets to second level, it's like <clears throat> I'm here. But what I don't now? know what I'm supposed to do now from yeah. here. And as you say, he does because he's 235 pounds, he doesn't have that speed that's gonna make him a home run hitter either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he's gonna he's gonna accelerate away from somebody and, and get you that, you know, bring bring that touchdown or house it or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, it, it is that thing that you're gonna have to play him in a committee. And he, as you say, he's going to have to be your thunder. He's going to have to be your thumper who's going to get you those first five, six, seven yards on first and second down. You bring in the lighter guy who can play in 12-man. You leave him in there and you kind of get him to do a bit of pass protecting. You can use him on wheel routes or as a decoy. You know, you're obviously you're going to throw it to a Tony Pollard yeah. or someone else out of the backfield. He's just there to yeah. keep the and, eyes of the linebackers. And and that that is then see the trouble I have with Allen is that it, it, what you you've just said there was that the other point I have is that with Wisconsin they are they are able to physically dominate. That's just yeah. how that team is built. They, they're built football. that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, it's Wisconsin, like you say, it's Wisconsin football. It's physicality. It's aggression. It's just it's physically impose your will on the opposition. Yeah. That's just how it's always been with Wisconsin. Yeah. But the trouble is, is because Alan fits that style of play. That's all he knows, and he's going to come to the NFL and going to say, "This is how we want you to play." And the trouble is, is on an NFL field, coaches, the opposition coaches are going to look at that and go, this is one dimensional. We know where they're going. We're not, what are they going to do? This isn't going to be Braylon Allen running on a screen to catch. Although he can pack, although he is, you know, he is uh, adequate as a receiver. Yeah. Um, It's, he's missing some parts of his game as a receiver, certainly in terms of um how you can how you can use him um yeah. as that. Like there's a lot of, of double catches with him from what mm. I saw. He, he, you know, he's fumbling around trying yeah. to get get the ball in. Yeah. But the, the, the trouble you've got is you're gonna put him on the field and NFL coaches you know, defensive coordinators are going to go. Okay, no, what they're doing you defend yeah. the A and B gap, fill it, fill the hole. Yeah, yeah, that's the trouble I have with Alan. Yeah, like I mean, we talk we talk about guys who have a high football IQ, and it just seems to me, and this is going to sound horrible, and I I I don't mean it how it sounds, but you're kind of going, is the light on? You know, mm-hmm. or do, you know, does someone kind of need to get in his ear? Pull the light and go. It's this is what you need to do, Braylon. You have all the ability, you have the tools, you have the size, but this is what you need to do to take your game to that next level. 
again, you know, the, the, the comeback to that is he's just never had, he's never needed to. You know, we'll yeah. go back to Wisconsin football. Yeah. Yeah. It's as Absolutely. simple as that. So the last guy and and the guy who excites me the most, and I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of guys or media pundits who are going, this is the sleeper in this back draft class. It's Will Shipley out of Clemson. Like this yep. is a guy who 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 arrived at Clemson. He's a little bit undersized, you know. He's he, he's about five ten, you know, a biscuit under two hundred pounds. Yeah, you know. But I said this to you yesterday when we were putting the putting the list together. I said this guy reminds me, and I'm not saying he is this guy, yeah, but yeah. there's Christian McCaffrey traits in this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the balance of athleticism. That's yeah. all in there. So um, he's not fast because you wouldn't call you wouldn't call McCaffrey fast. You know, no. you would call him. You would say he's got good speed. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and that that is Shipley. He's got good speed. Um, like I, so, there's a lot of positives with Will Shipley that I like. Right, I'm with yeah. you. I, I think all the skills, all the traits are there. My issue is the double leg injuries. Yeah. So he's had two injuries on different legs. So the medicals are going to pay an important factor yeah. to him. Um, but he, th- this guy has, he's got, he's very light on his feet. He's very quick on his feet. He can get up and go. And because of the, the way he plays, making mismatches and, uh, and making defenders mm. miss, because he's got that good speed, very much like McCaffrey, that yeah. when he plants his foot and he goes, you've got to do a lot of work to try and catch up to him because he's already got the head of steam on you. Yeah. Like McCaffrey, he's just gone. Uh, and yeah. uh, um, what I like it as well is he's got a, a, this, a, this uh, and I forget his name, he played for the Steelers and the Jets, the running back. Oh, I can't Not Le'Veon Bell. Yes, there we go. Thank you very much. In terms of the plant your feet and and yeah. stop and just stop on it, completely stop on a dime and yeah. then get going again. He's got yeah. that to him. And that's what I like. And yeah. with Le'Veon Bell, he did that and it would completely um, wash linebackers out of the game. And that's yeah. what Shipley can do. I do like yeah. that. He's yeah. got a very good, like you say, high, high IQ. He's instinctive on what he needs to do. And he will make these linebackers completely go in the wrong direction because yeah. he's under, he's watching what they're doing. He's got an understanding. Yeah. And because he's got this ability to just stop and then go straight back and, and go through first, second, third, and get back into fourth gear as quick as he can, Yeah, it, it just completely puts the secondary defenders, the box defenders completely yeah. out of the game. And it is, he, he's impressive. He, he is impressive. So you say, well, what are the problems? Um, is one, it's going to be the style of play. Yeah, yeah. The style of play. Uh, it's going to be Clemson's game, the way that they played. Mm-hmm. Um, really using him using Shipley over and over and over and over and over again on the same play. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be his build. His build is slight. So he's, again, a committee guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the, 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 the one knock, and it's, it, it's slightly contradictory to what you're saying in terms of that ability to stop and stack linebackers, mm-hmm. is sometimes he's so far ahead of the play in terms of he knows, right, if I do this, I'm going to take two defenders out. He's thinking too much about that. And suddenly he's been taken off by the defensive tackle or defensive end closing in. Yeah, It's that kind of peripheral vision. It's like, I can see everything here, but I'm not seeing the guys out here. Mm-hmm. And that plays in part as well when he's trying to run in the A and B gap. Gets yeah. caught up way too. And then because he's lacking the lower leg drive and yeah. the power to break tackles that way. Yeah. He just, he just, yeah, he, you know, he's, he gets caught up in the mesh. And when the trash is in front of him, he's down, he's out for the count. Yeah. He's just not going to get that with him. That, that's, yeah. that's the biggest problem with him and, yeah. and the leg injuries. Yeah. Like it's, he's, de- he's definitely a guy who every team is going to want to check out the medicals. Like the medicals is still- a big one. Yeah. We're not we're not going to see them or have any in, no. inclination as to what's going on with those. But I mean, Will Shipley is a guy who might move up into the bottom half of the second round, depending on how things go. Combine is huge game. for him. Yeah. yeah. Combine is huge. Combine is big for a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um like the athletic testing, I think, is gonna be you'll have one or two surprises, but easy to predict. Yeah. It's going to be with the running backs. You're going to have to watch the movement skills, the drills, yeah, um, to get more of a feel of the guys you're going to be having. And then yeah. the other side of it, for most of these running backs, is medicals, um, yeah. which is unfortunately something you just have to. You, when it comes to the medicals, you have to really just have a feel for what they're saying, of yeah. what's being reported, um. Mm-hmm. I I always have trouble with this part of it uh, because you wonder how much of it is just you just getting like because it's the lying season you just yeah. wonder how much of being reported is being lied about yeah yeah absolutely it's tough it's tough it's tough well look we've we, I didn't think we were going to get this this long out of the show <laughs> <laughs> but look we we always managed to somehow get to us. So I suppose, look, we better pay the bills before we get out of here. Yes. Um, give a shout out to Barry. Yes. So, guys, if you, you are going to a game this season, now don't forget, we are not going to the Thanksgiving game this year. It's 2025. Plenty mm-hmm. of messages on that. We will get something put together on the travel package to make a nice little advert on you. But if yeah. you're going to go to a game this year, Make sure to book it through Cowboys Experience. They have game day tickets, tours, meet and greet parties, the whole shebang. And if you book through Cowboys Experience, make sure UK Cowboys, UK Cowboys sent you because Barry, uh, Barry Brian, God, messed that one up. What'd you get, mate? You got chocolate pudding. Yeah, you got some free stuff. Yeah. So, yes. Um, <laughs> messed that read up completely, <laughs> <laughs> but we managed to get them the key information in there, which is what's important. As long we as the, the key words are in there, the bills get paid. 
Absolutely. And look, Mike, you're back on on Thursday at nine o'clock here in the UK and yes. Ireland. Four four yeah, four o'clock Texas or four o'clock Eastern time, three o'clock Texas time, one o'clock on the west coast of America. And mm-hmm. um, what are you guys discussing on Thursday's show? Uh we are going to look at the first round off. We've talked enough about coaching now. We've talked enough about philosophy. We spent all last week running through the different ideas of free agency. So now it's time to first round options and go, right, guys, here's options. Which are the best? Ooh, that is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> oh, yes. The mocks are coming, mate. The mocks are coming. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like that, we might have to have a mock show in a couple of weeks' time. I suppose let, oh, yeah. let's wait till we get the first or the, the combine out of the way and we might look at um, yeah. the, at a mock draft. Uh, maybe a first Definitely. round mock draft or maybe a two or three round Cowboys draft and we'll discuss it at length. But I think, look, like that, we're going to talk uh, defensive tackles next week. So that's, that's what we're getting tuned into. So um, I'm going to pass you off to Mike. It's a good night for me. And a good night from him. <laughs>